The 5-8, your Friday night hang. We take five of the week's most notable and newsworthy topics and spend eight minutes covering each one. Join me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff, Friday nights, live, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It's the 5-8. Here's what went down on Friday. Good evening. Welcome to the 5-8, where we take five of the week's most notable topics and discuss them for eight minutes each. Five topics, eight minutes, two hosts, two guests tonight. A uh, little singing, a lot of curse words, and as many cocktails as we deem necessary. LB, how are you? I'm well. <laughs> what are you drinking? Today, I'm having a Stella. I'm having a beer. Okay. It's a little warm. It feels good to have a cold beer. We've been packing up boxes, and um, this is what I'm doing. Okay. And the, I, speaking of boxes... <laughs> What do you have it? Oh, you're doing the champagne. Good for you. Yeah, for you. you know, if it, I have these nice um, champagne flutes that we got, these crystal ones that we got for our wedding. And if you yes. can't have them after the 37 count or 38 count indictment, there's been some discrepancy. The Washington discrepancy. Post said it's 37, that my eyeballs say 38, but I don't know. Um, I, we'll have to ask our guest uh, to explain this discrepancy. Uh, yes. You know, if I can't use them today. When can I use them? I say so. Exactly yeah. right. All right. To the boxes. To the boxes. Yeah. To the boxes. Um, because, as we know, mm. it's a very special day um, in our history. I never thought I'd see it coming. And I think the reason that everybody's watching this show tonight is to commune about the fact that Boris Johnson has finally stepped down as a member of parliament. And, yes. You know, I mean, it's right. That's the big story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, we, it's a big story. We've been waiting for this. It's a, it's a, it's what we all needed. Yeah, I think so. Um, we yeah. got him. We got Matt Gates. The ethics case being reopened. Julian Assange is coming to the U.S. Um, Ken pa Ken Paxton's dude, real estate buddy, got pinched. Yeah, that happened. Pat Robertson died. Yeah, that explains the fire and brimstone around New York City. I think the little think hell so. portal opened to yeah. suck him in. Portal opened. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and something else. So. Something else. Was there another story this week? I don't know. There's another story. You okay. know, something we could, I was just saying in our pre-show thing, something that Greg and I certainly have every right to have a lot of schadenfreude and sing a lot of crow about and all of this. And we've seen our tweets from 2017 and all the stuff we've done. And instead, I just feel sick to my stomach. I feel yeah. sick to my stomach. It is, there is no... I mean, yay for accountability. Yay that some white guy finally showed up. That all we always pin all of our hopes on the one white guy instead of us as a community taking care of and people's doing their job in their lanes. Um, but uh, it looks like he's doing it. Looks like Jack Smith is bringing the bringing down the hammer. That's what it looks great. like. That's what are what your thoughts like. about it? I want it. We do have a little bit of a different thing tonight because we're both reacting to the same thing so we don't have different segments for each other yeah. so i'm just gonna put i mean it's kind of 15 it's minutes kind of. on the clock let's yeah. put 15 so we'll put 15 we'll put 15 and let's just talk you you go you start what yeah. was your reaction to all this i mean i i'm still sort of dumbfounded that it happened i mean this we've been you know we've been waiting a long time for yeah. some meaningful accountability for trump and that 
the bullshit indictment from New York City was not it. I'm glad that happened, but that was not. I actually forgot that that even happened. Like I literally <laughs> forgot because it was such a nothing burger, right? Um, yeah. This is not that. This is a uh, a thunderbolt from the sky, and you know that's it. This is this is what we have been waiting for for yeah. seven years today. Um, and I want to get to that too, but um, I'm looking at the responses from the Republicans and, and, and this is my sort of overarching thought slash rant here, but um, Josh Hawley, do we still have a constitution? He asks, or maybe uh, if people in power can jail their political opponents at will, we don't have a Republic anymore. Yeah, you're right, Josh. And this ain't that. So sit the fuck down, you traitor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the weaponization of federal law enforcement represents a moral threat to a fair, a free society. That is true. But again, this ain't that. Uh, Matt Gates, imagine being naive enough to believe that the Biden bribe evidence and Trump indictment happening the same day was a coincidence. These are people that are in fucking Congress in power, still backing this guy. Uh, how many years ago, how many Scaramucci's ago was it that Scaramucci was talking about off-ramps for Republicans? Was it six years ago at this point? It was a long time ago. Long time. And they have had so many opportunities to just throw this guy overboard and move on, and they won't do it. They will not do it. And this is dangerous. And the reason why is we've had seven years now of this. Today, as people who listen to my podcast and read my prevail know, today is the seven-year anniversary of the Trump Tower meeting with Junior, Kushner, Manafort, and Russians, Russian representatives of Putin, okay? Mm -hmm. 20 minutes after that meeting, Trump tweets for the first time about the missing emails of Hillary Clinton's. 33,000 emails. Introducing into the into the discourse this bullshit narrative about the fake emails that would ultimately doom her presidency. That happened 20 minutes after that fucking meeting was over. Seven years ago, we've been on this shit. Time magazine was so sure that Junior was going to get indicted that they put him on the cover of the magazine with a headline, red-handed. But he didn't. He didn't get indicted because Mueller thought short. He's too dumb. He didn't realize what he was doing because that's always what happens when we break the law, right? We don't realize what we're doing. That's a great excuse in court, I guess. Uh -huh. um, but it's been going on for so long now and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And one of the byproducts of that is that their side is emboldened. And now, again, the Mogilevich defense, I wrote, we'll talk about him later, but that, that defense is, hey, if I was a criminal, they would have indicted me by now, right? They've been able to say that about Trump for seven years now, yeah. you know, into this period of time. And in that seven years, they're emboldened. So people now, when 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 Josh Hawley and Ron DeSantis and these other uh, Republicans say this shit about weaponization of DOJ, there are tens of millions of Americans who believe it. And because the media has just sucked for the most part, not the breaking news stories, not even some of the investigative stuff, but the context of media has just failed abysmally still, seven years. Chris Lick took over. What happened? Did he introduce a way to in insert context into things so people would understand the larger implications of stories? Nah, he didn't do that. He just fired the people that, you know, anybody that remotely was, was connected to that, he got rid of. So 
Um, you he say, just had a laugh track ready. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and it's the both sizing. It's this and that. And again, Dirty Rubles came out five fucking years ago. Your sit journal was online even before that. We were not trained journalistic professionals when these things came out. Like, come on. I, and how do I feel? I'm relieved. I'm relieved because I think it's going to be a good thing. And I'm fucking sad. I've just been kind of sad, honestly. I know people are excited. I bought the champagne and try to cheer myself up, to be honest, because I'm not sad for America. I mean, I'm sad for just this this failure, you know, a failure by the media, a failure by three successive presidents, justice departments until now, including Obama's. Obama was president in, you know, for months after that election. He could have named a special prosecutor in December of yeah. 2016. And it would have been somebody that wasn't fucking Robert Mueller, an ancient Republican white guy. It would have been somebody not like that. And maybe the, all of history would be very different. But he was too busy planning his windsurfing and having senioritis and didn't. So let's not absolve him of responsibility. You know, it was a miracle we got the Mueller thing at all when Trump was president in hindsight. And Mueller did go after these people. But, you know, uh, and I don't know, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of argument on Twitter now, like, hey, all you Merrick Garland people that said he wasn't doing anything. How do you feel now? I feel the same way I've always felt. I think he, he did what he was supposed to do. And he's still not good at his job. You know, yeah. whatever, dude. Great. Good for you. You finally did this, made this thing happen like way too late. And, and didn't barely spoke for two and a half years. Great. Good for you. So that's it. That's my rant. Um, I went on too long. Uh, no, it's thoughts? okay. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's the, it's the lack of urgency, right? Mm -hmm. So you and I early on, even like, look, we can go back to, let's go back. Let's wait for our, for, our, we have got a couple guests tonight and we've yeah. got a very special, they're both very special. So we have something great to bring to everybody. Um, and we'll we'll circle back around with with both of them of the early early stuff and the stuff that reaches back decades about Donald that we were talking about and the the framework for dirty rubles dirty money money laundering right the world beneath it's the, the it, it, we'll we'll get into it I just think if we want to go back to what has been plaguing us by way of of Washington and the Department of Justice in terms of addressing this man and our news media, which is in its own little lane, it has been a lack of urgency around where we needed to, where we could hold him accountable and we needed to hold him accountable. And there was a lot of thwarting or a lot of just dickering, you know? Um, I can't, I'm there with you on that. The reason why we were raising such alarms for so long, and let me tell you everyone, raise those alarms now, even yeah. more so yeah. is that no one in the history, I, I, truly in history of all mankind, certainly in the couple of centuries that there's been printing and the ability to publish and disseminate propaganda en masse and the place that that's at now with technology, with social media platforms, all of that, the propaganda machine behind and around and emboldening Donald Trump and protecting Donald Trump is unlike anything we have ever been up against. Yes, it has always been um, something. It, it's it's enabled by uh, hostile foreign intelligence services. That was in the Mueller report. Yes, it was. There's probably 300 pages on that. 
There were actual indictments of Russians, Kremlin-affiliated Russians, from Mueller specific to that. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't diminished. It is only mutated, morphed, and gained tremendous power because a lot of very corrupt Americans and just, you know, and, and very diseased minds, I believe, are in it now since it was built for him and have been for years. And they're just radicalizing people. They're just radicalizing and radicalizing and radicalizing and radicalizing. And there's an engagement with the people that you're so angry with, and I am as well in terms of our GOP officials. We've got Andy Biggs coming out today. We've got all these people actually calling for violence, violence. now from yeah. the public mm -hmm. in response to the rule of law finally um, finding Donald Trump, finally yeah. finding him this career criminal who came from a crime family. I'm watching now in the lane of the, so that's why, that's why it's upsetting is that's why it makes me sick is that, you know, we, yes, legal, all the people that are the, how do you feel now for criticizing Merrick Garland? It's like my only criticism was of him was his, what I believe he was putting forward as cautiousness or the people on his behalf were saying, he's just cautious. He's just being careful was actual cowardice. It, whatever it was, whether I'm right, what doesn't matter. The time that went by the, is, and it's not a natural process. There was plenty of people who were saying, act now, we've got now. You had Robert Mueller in front of Congress saying, as soon as he's out of office, you can charge him with the obstruction of justice, the 10 counts of obstruction of justice. Granted, we had to wait a few months before Joe Biden could get his attorney general in place, but then he let that lapse. He let that lapse. The time ran out on that. And here we are again with obstruction, as if he wasn't going to. So, so okay, so eventually the, the hand was forced, and of course you're going to get this guy in obstruction. He's a mobster. That's all they <laughs> fucking do. That's all they do. Because the only thing that stops them from having what they want is the Department of Justice, is the rule of law. Yeah. So if they want to get away with their crimes because they're criminals, they obstruct. That's it, guys. It's a real simple fucking formula. He learned it from the best. He learned it from the best. And he learned how to use the propaganda from the best, from Roy. This man is a career criminal. And we, the American people, elected him. And the Republican Party installed him yeah. at the top of the ticket and then pushed that beast through with the help of hostile foreign intelligence services. The very kinds of people who would love to get their hands on our secrets. Yeah. That's what we're looking at here. Did he sell them? Did he give them? I don't know. He took them. He took them. He didn't store them properly. He obstructed justice. He did everything he could to not turn them back over. Why? Why, dude? It's not some personality disorder. He just needed to be collector and he hoards things. I've heard all of this today even. Oh, God. No. This man does nothing for those reasons. It's not because he wanted to brag, no. but we'll get to it. We'll get to it and we'll get to our guests who will we'll walk through what we what we know now that's new, right? 
And everybody mm -hmm. always remembering in terms of the Espionage, the Espionage Act, the crimes that he committed fall underneath that act. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was a completed act of espionage. But I think for me, I think all Americans should assume that because, and this is why those crimes fall, that what he's charged with falls underneath the Espionage Act, is that if product like that, intelligence product like that, those kinds of secrets aren't in a secure facility, aren't handled with the utmost of care and followed by the rules, then everyone must assume that they're out in the wild. They're gone. It's gone. It's out. Our enemies know exactly how we would plan to defend ourselves. There's stuff in there about where our vulnerabilities are if we were to be attacked. That's the kind of shit that this man took. Defense secrets at the highest levels. There's nuclear technology, stuff in the Department of Energy underneath there. Yeah. If you just look at the indictment and all the different categories of agencies that are affected because they have a part in the product that he stole. Yeah. You can see how vulnerable we are and where we're vulnerable. Again, it was that he didn't secure this, that he was careless with it, that he lied about it, that he obstructed about it, that he kept hiding it and moving it and moving it and leaving it in places where any, you know, look, he can't get out. He can't get away from the fucking toilet, this guy. Everything in his life revolves around his fucking toilet. Somebody tweeted he didn't have the, you know, he didn't even respect the, this, this, our secrets enough to put them with the golden toilet. <laughs> they're with the, they're with the, they're in a tacky fucking short little bathroom with a like with a, a shower stall on a on a tension rod and a bucket. Where the fuck was that bathroom? Not secure. You can bet your ass somebody went in there and cleaned it. Who was that? Where did you hire her or him? I mean, I you come know. on, come on, everybody. This is, it's enough, enough, enough with the gaslighting around how, you know, oh, he's just stupid. Oh, they're just, you know, and there's plenty of Keystone Cop, Betty Hill soundtrack we could put to this indictment. Oh, yeah. no, no, don't put it there. Oh, no. And then Melania chiming in. It's clearly her. I'm like, we do not want this. I have my luggage. Don't put this in bathroom. You know, that fucking, you know, Soviet era tart. Right. He's, it's like you would think this would be she'd have some job of being about this stuff. Kind of. She didn't even want it around because her closet's more important to her. Her wardrobe. This is going to interfere with my Louis Vuitton. Get it out. They're, oh, 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 oh. They're moving it all around. Good Lord. I mean, to be fair, Mar-a-Lago has crack security. It's not like you could just say you're a Rothschild and waltz in there. Oh, wait, never mind. Never mind. Scratch that. In yeah. fact, the opposite is true. Anybody, literally anybody that writes a check can get in that place. And um, it's not like the bad guys don't have money, right? They have Yeah, or know how to just get in somewhere. Yeah. Um, one last thing. What are I, emails, Greg? But her emails. Right. That was, I was gonna, the, the last but thing that email. I wanted to say is the irony here, seven years to the day, okay, that the email story was released, is that Donald J. Trump is going to go down for the same crime that he falsely and wrongly accused Hillary Clinton of committing in 2016. So karma, man. I don't karma, know. Man. I guess. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, instead of, we didn't feel like tonight was a night for 
our usual playful joke, but we are going to bring you great media wait, in wait. the after hours. I was going to say, because we oh. forgot to say we're going to have an after hours. We're going to have an after hours. We yeah. want to see you guys all there. We'll play what we were going to play tonight before we knew that this yeah. whole thing was going down today. Yeah. Um, but I think what's, it is good to have, always have like a little break and hear from something. And so what we grabbed was Jack Smith's presser, which is only like two minutes long. So let's listen to Jack Smith and then we'll get right into our first guest. How's this? Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. And I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice, and our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Nothing more and nothing less. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. They have investigated this case hewing to the highest ethical standards, and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. It's very important for me to note that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. To that end, my office will seek a speedy trial in this matter, consistent with the public interest and the rights of the accused. We very much look forward to presenting our case to a jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. In conclusion, I would like to thank the dedicated public servants of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, with whom my office is conducting this investigation and who work tirelessly every day upholding the rule of law in our country. I'm deeply proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Thank you very much. Why Florida, sir? Why did you decide to bring the case in Florida? All right. There he is. So we had the first footage of him out in the wild this week, too. Where we, I think CNN was like, look, Jack Smith is walking. And we're <laughs> yeah. like, ooh, he really exists. He's, he exists. He's yeah. younger than I thought he would be from his picture. He looks so... Yeah. Dower and old, but yeah, he's a number of people have said that he looks a little Abraham Lincoln-ish, and I have to say that I um, I don't disagree. There's a there's a yeah, there's you something know, there's something there, you know. Something there. So uh okay. Our first guest tonight is a romance novelist, apparently. <laughs> uh a podcaster, a law professor, and author of a book called Big Dirty Money. Gentob, how are Gentob! you? You're on mute Yay! is what 
You're on mute is what you are. You're on mute, Jen. Hey, just to set the record straight, I'm merely editing uh, okay. Mary Jane's uh, romance uh, novel. I'm not the author. Okay. Uh, okay. How's that? How, how is that going? Uh, um, it's super fun. Um, it's nice to you know to enter into this kind of cool alternative reality where uh, you invent a, a nice man instead of you know maybe some of the people out there that we have to talk about today. So it's been, it's been Well, fun. welcome to our world of fiction. I don't know that I've ever written, usually that, you know, we've got, I've used bad guys, but no, 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 there's some good ones in there now that I think about oh, it. Oh, there are bad guys in this book too. You just have oh, to. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it is fun. It's been quite uh, 24 hours, right? That's what it's been, a little over that. Um and yeah. the, you know, listening, seeing, seeing uh, Jack Smith in the wild the other day. You know, you try to pick up every detail. He had like a subway sandwich he was getting for lunch. Did you catch that? I did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. I had subway I, yesterday I, I, too. Yeah, I wonder what that means, right? I don't know. I don't know. Something underground? No, I don't think we need to overread that. Um, yeah. Look, he's a very straightforward person. Seems like he's by the book. I would not want to be on his bad side. This is a meticulous investigation. And of course, they don't have to put all their cards on the table. But what's in here, sort of there's like the surface of what it communicates to us. And I think there's a lot in here that's uh, being communicated to other people who might want to cooperate and not find themselves in a position like Walt Nauda. Um, yeah. And I, that's the valet who is a, a co-defendant in this case. And sort of before kind of getting into what's new here from what we thought was going to be. I, I just want to, to underline that point, which is over the past, I don't know, many months, many of us say, yeah, we expect Donald Trump will be in, indicted at the county level in New York and at Fulton County and the feds. But some of us, including myself, self, have always doubted that we would put a former president in a public prison. Like I expected the way it would be done, um, it's never been done here, would be some kind of house arrest because of just, um, I, I believe no one is above the law, but I also believe in keeping someone safe yes. and also the cost and all of that, right? Yeah. But Walt Nauda is not Donald Trump. And when you no. look at this indictment and the potential number of years he could serve, now the sentencing guidelines will minimize these, but this document is is signaling the outer limit. And, and for him, um, when you add all of that up, you get uh, 20 years, 20 years, 20 years, 20 oh years. Oh my God, he's ruined his life. That's like yeah, 70 years. That is, he would be, you know, of course, I know that's not what it would be. You know, maybe it's going to be, what, 12 years or 20 total. It's not going to be 70. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's only going to be 20. Oh, good. Well, let me just put it this way. <laughs> yeah. This guy is going to serve hard time. Yeah, uh, yes. If, if, after due process, if he is convicted. And that should send a signal to everyone else who, who you know, if you're hoping that, that Donald Trump is going to pardon you one day, that means you're thinking he's going to get reelected. That's not going to happen. He's probably going to be the Republican nominee, but he is not going to win the presidency. So anyone who is out there, they're not listening to us right now, but anyone out there who's looking at this indictment, who has been offered an opportunity to cooperate and flip on... Uh, Donald Trump, this would be the time. And that's why you're seeing, I don't usually see this kind of thing at the end of an indictment where all the years are there. So that's a kind of, to me, that's speaking to it, you know, to an audience this, of maybe a few who need yeah, to see Yeah, and that. the severity of what they're up against. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So can you, t- before we get into other, other stuff too, I just wanted to ask you about the lawyers in this because it did, we did get a lot of the information in the, indi- uh, the, the Jack Smith. It seems that a lot of the information in the indictment came from piercing that attorney client privilege. And we remember the sort of battle around all of that. What was yeah. that ago or whatever? Yeah. So, um, who who's really on the hook? Who's cooperating? How many, you know, we had that saying, make attorneys get attorneys for MAGA. Um, <laughs> but can you speak a little bit to that? Because I'm, I'm a little lost in that conversation that I've been trying to get information. Yeah. Well, what's what's good about this is some of these lawyers I've actually seen in a courtroom because last fall I went to see the special master um, hearing up in the Eastern District of New York, which is in Brooklyn. So I actually saw Evan Corcoran. He's one of the guys. So what I can tell is there's three attorneys mentioned in here. There's Evan Corcoran, who's attorney one. There's someone named attorney two. I don't know who that is, but it's probably Boris Epstein, but I don't know. And attorney three has definitely got to be Christina Bob. Bob, yeah. Okay. And so let me just tell you the sort of, I think that um, Evan Corcoran's cooperating. I think that also Christina Bob's cooperating. What's interesting, I think, I think, I don't know. Really? Because from the beginning, you know, she signed, they, she got set up and ended yeah. up, let, let, me, let me just sort of back up for people okay, who yeah, back may up, not back be up. following it. What, what this sort of, the, the big picture here of the what went down is, as we all know, Donald Trump uh, lost the election um, and some stuff happened, which we'll talk, you know, some other time. But he actually did leave Washington, the White House on January 20th, thank God. And when he did that, he took with him boxes you know he directed people to pack up boxes i don't know if they were all on the plane or they're on trucks he took boxes that he knew is that a ding for me to, to... it's me i'm sorry it's okay. my ding uh is it to, i switched topics though so um he no. t- he, boxes to take with him to mar-a-lago and those boxes he knew contained classified uh, uh, national security information, you know, national defense information and secrets of whatever classifications. And there are tons and tons of boxes that were sent down to Mar-a-Lago. So that's one, and that's in January of 2021. Um, He dragged his feet. The the National Archives were saying, hey, you know, you have some stuff we're interested in getting, some of it because it was like, you know, like the letter from his, you know, love letter from Kim Jong-un or things that they were interested in keeping for historical purposes, and nothing was coming back. Um, and so it takes about a year. Um, and finally, like in January or February 2022, like a year later, he sends like 15 boxes back. And when the National Archives get these boxes, they open them up and see that either the doc- that many of the documents themselves are marked with these things like top secret or uh s you know sci or these 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 this this coding as you all know what it is that indicates that he shouldn't have had it in the first place but he was no longer president so then they decide holy shit you know we want more stuff and they ask for stuff and he or they actually they talk to the fbi who then says okay we need a grand jury because what's going on here and they get a grand jury to send a subpoena so the prosecutors get a grand jury to send a subpoena to Donald Trump and his lawyers, and it shows up like May 11th, 2022. Okay, so we're talking now about a year ago. Mm. Okay, this is where all the this is where all the hot stuff starts happening right now, right? Yeah. So we're talking about over a year. This guy has documents. Uh, the government's worried that he has them so much so they want to get this from him. No right. raid, no search. They just ask nicely, you know, with For a, a subpoena, year. with a subpoena now give us this stuff. 
So instead of going, oh my goodness, you know, I have stuff. That's not it. He's thinking, oh, immediately Donald Trump, according to this indictment, gets his lawyer and his lawyer um, and says to his lawyer, like, um, okay. Like, and it's what Cochran, if, I think, right? It's Cochran, Individual. Evan Cochran. Yeah, attorney one, yeah. He's kind of like, well, what would happen if, you know, these if documents just kind of um, disappeared? Or, right. you know, why don't you, I don't remember the order of this, but he like makes this sort of plucking gesture. What if you had these things? It's sort of later in the process. At some point he says, what if you this just disappeared or you took them to your hotel room or they got waterlogged like he claims Hillary Clinton stuff got, whatever. So at some right. point along the way, he's saying that to him. But sort of early on, he makes clear that he doesn't want to cooperate or play ball. Corcoran's like, no, we're going to cooperate and we're going to play ball. So and so he's, so they make a plan that Corcoran's going to come down there. So this is May 11th. He's going to do the search June 2nd. There's some delay in there, and I'm not sure why. In the interim, Donald Trump directs his valet, this guy we've mentioned, Walt Nauda, whose first name is Waltine, and I never knew that was. I never, that struck me too. really struck me as an interesting name, and there might be some reason why he went astray, but there's not, I mean, whatever. I'm sure it has nothing to do with that, but um, Waltine, like Saltine, Walt does Trump's bidding by, on several occasions, it's like, it's like May 23rd, May 25th, like May 30th and June 1st, he's moving documents from the store, the storage room into the residence. Now, even be so the, the, all this is happening and like 60 boxes get moved into the residence but only like 20 odd ones get moved back and then june 2nd they sent evan corcoran in there to do the search that trump is overseeing he gets a red well which is like a big you know reddish envelope accordion envelope and puts these things in and that's when donald trump is trying to encourage him to like hide things or destroy them. Now, what we should know, what's important, because people have seen the photographs of these boxes on the stage at Mar-a-Lago and boxes, as you mentioned earlier, in a very sort of uh, low rent bathroom with a tacky chandelier and some behind the shower curtain. I My sense of it is, is that stuff, that, that stuff was in there prior to on May 11th. Like there was a lot of moving things back and forth all the time. Like there was sort of chaos. And it was only when, um, you know. It's my favorite part of the indictment. It's like, oh no, no, no. Oh, these fell out. Oh, and pictures of like pictures on the floor of some of these top secret, like nuclear secrets about foreign governments, like was spilled out wherever. So there was some stuff in a bathroom and then behind the shower and some stuff in a place called the pine room and stuff, some stuff on the stage in a ballroom and something in this, you know, storage room and some things in his office and in his bedroom and some other place. Like God knows where this stuff was um, at any given time. But the key points about the sort of about where a lot of the the legal trouble comes in is a little bit in that window of time. Um, And then, as we know, when um, when they hand over this Redwell, I think it's like June 3rd or something, They or June 4th, right around the time after Corcoran does the search. Corcoran doesn't want his fingerprints on it now. So he gives, he gives, um, talks to Christine, um, what I just tell her name was? Uh, Bob, Christina Bob. Christina Bob. She, she signs this uh, certification that makes him edit it saying, to the best of my knowledge, this is everything, because she's not a complete idiot, of course. No, no lawyer, even if you trust your client, ever says they know something if they didn't do it themselves. Corcoran gives her to sign it. She signs it. Um, and then they hand that red weld over. Well, um, after that, I think, the government asked for the surveillance videotape. Um, and they see these pictures, these different dates of, like, Walt Nauta and somebody else going in and out of this room. And it's like, ha. Huh. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so then they realize, holy shit, like either they had a witness on the inside by then or they just don't trust anybody. And that's when they get the search warrant. And that's why the raid happens in August. And that's when they end up with hundreds of more documents. And that's why we get the indictment. So, Thank you for the, yeah, that, that timeline is good. Oh, go ahead. Were you going you yeah, to you finish your thought? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can get into what the actual crimes were. But in terms of the lawyers, just back to those two lawyers, um, you know, where there's just there's just so much. I mean, we, there's so much going on there that goes to the kinds of obstructive acts and, um, you know, facilitate you know, a scheme to to cover something up um, and to cause someone to lie in these documents. But. You know, I do think that what, what I question is Corcoran was pressured by Trump and he didn't destroy documents, but he was pressured by him. And this this happened, you know, we know in the summer of 2022, but he was still showing up in court representing his client yeah. in like late September. So maybe he just thought, well, yeah, Donald Trump was just talking a big game, but I got him under control. But or maybe he was know. cooperating, you know, I, and already. Keep, I, you, you may... I don't know. He, mm. he, here's what I think is important to like, there's something to note here that is important. And it's about the culture around Donald and how he just corrupts everyone around him, right. attorneys, anyone, and why things like not bringing consequences when uh, people in Trump world didn't show up for subpo congressional subpoenas and face no consequences for mm -hmm. that matter. So to me, this is there's a there's a context here that's just a natural progression. And we saw it when he was in office just breaking norms. You could tell right away it was like, well, is it illegal? Well then I'll do it. You know, everyone's like, no, but we don't do that. Well, but is it illegal? No. Well then I'll do it. Right. But and even so, if it was, the answer is what it you know, are you, you can't. But I'm just pain. I'm just talking yeah, you're right. Even this on is, the legal this is the free oh, you're talking train. about the oh the pushing people into this is the free train of how yeah. uh, what he what he how he enculturated everybody. Yes. This was part Good of being point. in his crime family. Any boss of any crime family, they set the culture. Yes. And so he set the culture of if you think there's gonna be a bad consequence, question whether it really is. If it's a norm, break it if you want mm -hmm. what you want. And to the point to where just him proving and the people around him proving in his world that were there to defend him, that you don't even have to show up for a congressional subpoena. Just right. don't show up. What are they going to do? Come arrest us. Is Nancy Pelosi going to clear out the jail cell in Congress and stick you in the jail cell? And they just constantly did that. And of course, no, right. she wasn't. And, you know, okay, well, we'll are they going to refer to the Department of Justice? Is the Department of Justice going to do anything? I think Bannon, what was just Bannon, right? Merrick Garland. He's still free. He's free ranging it out there. Right. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. like, in terms of a of radicalizing, he's raw dogging it. He's like, there's no, there's no guardrail on that guy. There's no protecting, you know, him from just inseminating everybody with right? So there's no consequences. So this is what he's always done, and what he's learned how to do, and what everyone around him learned how to do because of him. It was almost like. That was the whole red pilling, blue pill matrix yeah. thing of like, come behind the magic curtain and you'll see you don't have to do any of this to the point to where when it's actual crimes under the Espionage Act, he's thinking and getting his attorneys to say, well, just don't show up. Just don't give it to him, you know, and went until he found someone like Castrotel to say, actually, you declassified it all because you're president and you have those kind of incredible powers. OK, great. Then that's what happened. I'll tell everybody that. 
I just thought about it and they're declassified. They're mine. I you know, and so it's now finally hit the wall where there's consequences. But all along the way, all those people learned from him. They, it's not that they were enabling him. He was mentoring them. Yep. He was bringing them along in his his way of being as a criminal. Like, you know, and he learned it from Roy Cohn. I mean, like, it's like, this is this is the criminal path of of. Of mafiosos. And not he, just any criminal. I mean, you're, to you're totally right because once people are pushed to that limit, then yeah. it's sort of like, well, what can they prove? Yeah. And that's sort of like where, you know, you know, where all of his lawyers are like, you know, well, you know, due process matters. So, you know, it doesn't, or what they learned, um, which it does, but what they learned, who was it that testified? Corey Lewandowski, when he was before Congress, he's like, I don't have to tell the truth unless I'm under oath. Yeah. Yeah. What does it matter? It's the same thing. It's like, you know, I have a friend. I'm like, I still think he's going to flee. And it's like, well, no, we can't do that. Why can't he do that? They're watching him. Well, okay. What does that mean? What are they going to do? He's he got a, a private plane. He's got a pilot. What are they, he, like someone on the plane is going to tackle the pilot if the pilot just all of a sudden steers the plane to the UAE? What are they going to do? They're going to shoot down the plane? Don't think he's not doing this in his head and with everybody else. Well, what are they going to do? How are they going to stop me? Right. You know? What 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 does it matter? What? Yeah. So what? Where could he live the lifestyle he wants to li live? Yeah, or I'll just go it. here, and then I'll be fine there. And like, what are they? See, do? the problem with that is he doesn't want to live anywhere else. He right. only goes three places. He's in Mar-a-Lago. He's at Bedminster, and he's at Trump Tower. He doesn't right. want to be anywhere else. They don't cook the eggs right. The ketchup's Wait, off. Wait, doesn't he own? Does he own anything abroad that he actually? I don't. He doesn't go well, anywhere. He's, he's he doesn't own any of that. He doesn't. Even, he didn't even own Trump Tower. I don't yeah, know he, right. why. Not even Scotland wants him. No, 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 no. But, no. Can we look? If this is why it's house arrest isn't what should be on the table. Yeah. Because you know it has to be punitive he, he'd be <laughs> fine being at my let's go to the omelet station until you die all right he was going to do that anyway yeah um i want to go back to the timeline for one second because i think it was very helpful to yeah. to do the timeline um the subpoena comes down on may 11th of 2022 the search is on june 2nd trump um delays and this is in the indictment he delays going north for the summer until I think after the search, which is so, I think it's on the seventh that he goes north. Okay, mm -hmm. and then the 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 uh, the FBI raid is in August. What happens in late July is that the Live Golf Tournament is held at uh, oh, Bedminster. Right. Okay, so he's got these fucking documents with him, oh, and the Saudis are there with brought... the big fucking golf bags that are going to go back there. That's all I'm saying. You make such a good point. I heard you before that there was one thing. God, it's so funny. It's obviously because of the grammar she uses. Obviously, Melania. Melania. They said it's a family member. And I think we can do a dramatic. <laughs> well, he calls reading. her ma'am. He calls her ma'am. Uh, so. Do you want to do like, I really want to do a dramatic reading of that. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. Then we got, okay. then, then we'll bring in, then we'll bring in our next guest. Okay. We'll bring in our next guest. Let's do the yeah. dramatic reading. Hang okay, on. Where are we? What page is that? What one page? On? I'll find it. It's towards the end, I think. Oh, I got it. it. I got it. It's page, page 23, page 23, 23, paragraph. Uh, who do you want to be? Well, who oh, can do the accent? I can't. So it's you. All right. Is it you and me? Are we doing this? I, I don't mind. being. Well, I think Greg should be a uh, Walt. Okay. This is, okay. I'll set it up. I'll be the, okay. I'll be the narrator. I'll listen. It's just, oh, so, okay. I'll, I'll be the you guys up. Okay. Um, I'll do the pair, two paragraphs before, and then, um, you guys be Walt and Melania. I might not do an accent because that's insulting maybe to people. Um, hey, I have an idea. 
who have yeah, why good accents. You do Walt. You do Walt. Do Greg will do Melania. We'll, we'll okay, I like it. The, yeah. Okay, right. we'll, we'll be fluid. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. okay. On May 30th, 2022 at 9.08 a.m., Trump and Nata, that's Walt, spoke by phone for approximately 30 seconds. Between 10.02 a.m. and 11.51 a.m., Nata removed a total of approximately 50 boxes from the storage room. On that same day, everyone, at 12.33 p.m., so just half an hour after they moved the boxes, 40 minutes, a Trump family member texted Nada. Good afternoon, Walt. Happy Memorial Day. I saw you put boxes to POTUS room, just FYI, and I will tell him as well. Not sure how many he wants to take on Friday on plane. We will not have room for them. Plane will be full with luggage. Thank you. Nata replied, Good afternoon, ma'am. Smiley face emoji. Thank you so much. I think he wanted to pick from them. I don't imagine him wanting to take the boxes. He told me to put them in the room and that he was going to talk to you about them. On June 1st, 2022, beginning at 12.52 p.m., Nada removed approximately 11 boxes from the storage room. So I think they went on the plane, guys. Well, but not well, they didn't not just 50. go on the plane. Wait, 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 wait. The key, the key line here is I think he wanted to pick from them. He was yes, pulling exactly orders. Right. He was like an Amazon warehouse guy. <laughs> before he got on that plane, a few weeks before he met the Saudis at the fucking bullshit golf tournament. That's yeah. it. That's all I'm saying. I think we have to investigate this this horrible golf tournament that's bought Wait. our American golf tournament. Timeline. When mm-hmm. did Ivana die? I've I in that time period also. I no in that time period. No. I'm yeah, not going right to go there because that's Nazi woohoo. But when Hang on, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> that is the icing on the cake. Okay. July Wait. 14th. Yeah, right there. It's right oh, there. Oh, man. I yeah. hate it. I hate it. I'm yeah. not going. To, I'm not doing that. I'm not. No. Steel Day. If, 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 we, if, this ha- if it turns out that they have to dig up that grave and they find stuff there, I don't even know what. I think that the simulation's broken and we should all just. <laughs> okay. I'll make Maybe you a deal. Greg, she- I'll make you and Stephanie a deal. If, that, if there's actually documentation or evidence that they dig up, I will come visit you and we'll do the show live. Okay, okay. let's do it. I'm going to hold you to that. It's I'm not going to happen. I'm very busy, but died. I would do that just to celebrate. Yeah. Okay. That's so, good. She okay. had a long, long, long relationship. Very long. With Adnan Khashoggi, just so everybody knows that. Who bought the plaza from Donald, right? Uh, no, that went through uh, 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 Tom Barrack and that group. Yeah. yeah. But they, but Donald bought Adnan's yacht. Oh, I thought he bought the, okay. He bought Donald the yacht? Donald and Juana bought Adnan Khashoggi's yacht, which happened to know was wired to the gills. I had a source tell me about that. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. has waited long enough. Our next she guest. Waited long enough. All right. Our next guest. Our next guest is a novelist, short story writer, journalist, war correspondent, and now a uh, documentarian. Uh, there's a new documentary called Eastern Front with John Sweeney. Uh, Zarina Zabriskie, welcome back. How Zarina! are you? You Yay! are also on mute. Okay, Everyone's you're on... mute. There we go. No, not anymore. Okay. Good. And I don't even have to fake the accent. You wanted an accent? Here I am. I know. I was going to say, I'm, I'm doing this. And I'm like, we should have waited until Zarina came. She can, can you do like a specific? No problem. Can I you do a Slovenian how... one? No. I. You see, I, I don't try to, to speak with accent. That's how I naturally speak. 
I mean, I speak with an accent when I'm speaking any other language. So there's that. There's that. Well, uh, this happens to be kind of my language, but let's not go in there. That's like the whole linguistic area and we don't have time to talk about it and attention spans are short. So we'll leave the linguistics uh, and literature to, to another time. Another show. All right. Another show, well, another time. So, okay. So tell us about the movie because this is exciting because you're, you're back in the States and you're back in the States promoting uh, th this documentary, uh, which we're all very excited about. So tell us a little bit about, about making it. What is it? We, we have a clip of it that we're going to show, but why don't you set it up a little bit before we do that? I will, although I would love to be excited and I would love to say that it's exciting, but the subject is not exciting. Yeah, and so, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to be a party pooper. I'm just generally, a, you know, pretty uh, jolly person. But, but the subject is so not jolly that even I, being partially from Odessa and now based in Odessa, I have a hard time jumping right into the like fun part of it. There are some very hopeful, joyous and moving parts and bright and light parts in the movie. I won't lie, but I also won't lie that it's somewhat disturbing because the war is disturbing. Yeah. And what I found out after 15 months at war the coming back to peace is much harder than being at war. I'm much happier there because there I'm surrounded by the people who are experiencing the same. So there we can joke and laugh and it doesn't uh, feel sacrilegious. And here, uh, again, not to be a party pooper, but it's nighttime in Ukraine. And just a few hours, three people were killed in Odessa by the debris that fell from the drones that were shot at Odessa. Uh, and overall 10, I think, were injured. And I know the count will go up as the morning arrives. It always does. And the drones are flying at Kiev right now, as we speak. And also, you might have heard about a dam uh, yeah, in Kherson. Uh, and the city of Kherson, which I know and love and spend a lot of time there and have a lot of friends there, is now being flooded. And uh, for now, there are about 10 people reported dead, but the water didn't go down yet. And what we do know that when the water goes down, especially on the side that is captured by the Russians, there will be many, many, many bodies. And there's also environment and uh, uh, pets and all kinds of animals. What is the connection with the film? Well, part of the film is set in Kherson. Uh, so you will see that area right by the river that everybody's talking about. And it's a very dangerous area because even the rescuers now are being shot at as they're rescuing. And I have friends who are doing it right now. And as they're doing it, they are under fire because the Russians are just across the river and even the snipers can reach out. And I've mm -hmm. been there and they were trying to shoot at us. I was there under fire. So I know exactly what it is. But they still have to rescue people and animals, which they do a lot. Otherwise, all these living creatures will die. So this movie, you know, it's the one that kind of keeps living its own life. Because ever since we shot it, which was only two months ago, so many events happened to the people in the movie. Because in it, we speak to a lot of Ukrainian people that the main character of the film is the Ukrainian people. You know, like everybody talks about Ukrainian spirit. They, you get 
the um, opportunity to actually experience it. And our director, Kaylin Robertson, is amazing. He actually did an amazing job under fire, like drowning in mud with a camera. But he really brings it. You could see it. You could feel it. You feel as if you are there. I don't know how he did it. It was very hard. Uh, but uh, since then, you know, it's that kind of movie when I have the screener and I'm reaching out to the people who contributed to the film, and I first ask, how are you doing? And I'm asking this one woman in Donbass, who's very cheerful, lovely woman. They were building a community center when we were there uh, for refugees. Uh, and she goes, well, my husband was killed. So it's just me and my son now. Uh, another character in the movie, not a character, but the person who we visit, yeah, yeah. follow up on investigation because we are on investigative uh, journalistic road trip kind of there. So we visit him in, in Kherson by the Dnipro River. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to give it away, but you'll see what happens there. And so right now I'm talking, I'm online with him constantly these days uh, because he's still there. Uh, and he is rescuing his fellow residents uh, on a boat. So I was trying to raise money and send him some money that we could raise here so he can buy a boat because it's very hard to get a boat and that's the only way you can travel in a certain part of Kherson at the region. Or there's some good developments. Uh, there's uh, uh, one instance where this Ukrainian military gives me a video and that's where the investigation starts of a war crime. And so he is near Bakhmut. Bakhmut is the hottest spot of the front, was for a while, for, for nine months or so. Uh, and he's luckily still alive, uh, which is amazing, knowing the situation there, haven't been there. And he was awarded by Zelensky with the Courage Medal. And he was very happy and proud and sent it to me and so forth. So, it, you know, everything continues. It didn't stop. Uh, it's not like we went there and shot something and well, voila, done, you know, everybody claps, have some champagne and move on. No, it's happening as we speak. I don't know how many people in this movies will still be alive by the time that the war is over. So uh, why do I think people need to disturb themselves and bother to see something that depressing? Um, I think because we are very cursed here, we're in a bubble, in a somewhat artificial world, which has very little to do with the reality, or at least with the reality in other parts of the world. Uh, and the, the conversations that I hear here in the streets, in the store, people who I occasionally see because I'm here to sell my apartment and move back to Ukraine, um, they seem to be unreal to me. Mm. I can't believe that people actually speak about these things. And I understand that life continues. And I know that Everybody, just because there's war in some countries, don't need to abandon everything they are doing and stop living. Everybody deserves to be happy. And that's how Ukrainians want to be too. But I think everybody decides for themselves how connected they want to be to the outside world. It's like in John Donne's poem, you know, like for whom the bell tolls, you know, tolls for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And everybody chooses that. And it's okay to choose 
to be not relating to this at all, the plenty of people, and I'm not judging anyone. But my goal as a writer, first of all, and as a reporter, and in this instance, as a, uh, you know, circumstantial filmmaker, I wasn't planning to be in the film, but it happened and it's a good medium, is to connect this seemingly uh, completely torn apart worlds that when you start thinking about how different they are, it can drive you crazy. And why? Uh, and here we get back, back to politics because uh, it could be very well our reality if Donald Trump wins because Donald Trump uh, works and has been working and been recruited by the KGB long before Putin came to power. Yeah. So that's how the world comes together. It's like the pieces of the puzzle. And all of us have been writing about it for years. Yeah. I started to write about Donald Trump way before I started to report on the 2015, way. 2016. Yeah, you started. Right. I mean, right. the story of Donald's presidency is the story of Ukraine. Yes, it's it started with the peace plans, right? Uh, at the at the campaign, at the at the sort of a, when he was a, becoming the nominee at the um, RNC to change the platform. The RNC, the RNC to change the platform. Ryan and McCarthy getting recorded. We keep bringing that recording up, everybody, about the um, you know the there's two people, Putin pays, and everyone pays attention to that soundbite. But the whole context, again, context being important, of them having that conversation was they had just come back from seeing the kinds of the propaganda operation and machine that the Kremlin had put in place uh, to subvert Ukraine and to cause war there back when Paul Manafort was running Yanukovych's campaign um, and running his thing. The same guy that ended up uh, freely giving his services uh, to Donald Trump as campaign manager at that very time was campaign manager when Ryan and McCarthy were talking about this. So the whole presidency is about Ukraine from start to end because he's a Kremlin operative and that's why he was in there. So it's that's why I think for you, and I'll say that, I will boldly say that there's so much evidence of that. I, it's not even a question. It's just a joke to deny this at this point. So I'm very pleased that you're on here with us tonight because I think it's even though we had planned this before the indictment dropped, it's so appropriate to have yeah. a voice of Ukraine in 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 the show tonight. That being said, let's play that. Is yeah. there anyone want to play that clip? I want everyone to be able to see uh, the trailer. Okay, here we go. Yeah, let's go. Get out of this city. Let's just not drive while it's going mental, right? Get yourself down. Is it getting is it gonna get closer? I don't know, Callum, we'll just wait and see now. What have I said about the best place to be in any situation is on the ground, mate. If you're in a car, if you're driving, if you're running, you're high. Where's the arena? She's right there, but she'll come in the car. Serena, let's get in the car. 
We're going to drive out now before it happens again. So Byline TV have been in Ukraine for a while now, and recently we've been doing reports for Byline TV about some of the war crimes that are going on here, some of the stuff that's been inflicted on civilians. Um, Zarina told us a few hours ago that there was uh, an attack in a town called Konstantinivka, just down the road, uh, and we went to go and investigate it, see what happened there, see if there were civilians, and we ended up coming under massive fire. I don't know exactly what kind of fire it was. Paul probably knows more about exactly what that was, but um, it was extremely intense. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was I mean, I'd, I'd say two, th two things on the artillery front. It was quite close, between 100, 100 to 50 metres away, some, something on that line, possibly grads, possibly something with multiple charges like cluster munitions. Difficult to tell because of the echo effect, because we're in an urban built-up area. But we just got out of the car, got got low as as we'd all trained to do. Um, Zarina got behind a tree with a guy who just witnessed one attack, and we just waited for it to pass. Really, um, then got in the car and got the hell out of there as fast as we can, as you should do. And you know, thankfully, that's a that's a, a nice option we have, not an option everyone has. And we are lucky that we can pack and go. We're here to report. People in Ukraine have to live like this, and not just in eastern Ukraine, but also in Kherson, in the south, all over, everywhere, wherever there is an attack. And um, it's just simply really, really scary. And we know that yesterday the building, residential building, was hit in Kramatorsk with casualties, and today I'm just getting the news of what was going on in Konstantinovka. It's still going on. And there are photographs of residential buildings being damaged, buildings on fire, which is terrible. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Serena. That's intense. Yeah, well, this is not, uh, the second part is not the part of the film. This is the byline TV reportage. And I, I just want to remark, that, so this is, uh, you see myself, uh, Kaylin um, Robertson, who's a director, and uh, Paul Conroy, who's a legendary uh, war correspondent. He was a, a war photographer uh, with um, Marie uh, Colvin, who is the, oh, wow. a legend, right? Yeah, so yeah, wow. She was killed in 2012. Paul yeah. was there and he was mortally injured. Uh, there's a film that I also recommend that's online. It's called The Private War with Annie Lennox music. So it's about Paul and Marie. And so Paul has survived. And uh, I didn't know that was Paul. That's Paul. And wow. uh, I'm very lucky because, you know, um, I was holding Marie's book with me this whole year and reading. That was the only one book that I've been reading and also Luke Hardin's later. But the whole year I've been reading Marie's book of essays. And then suddenly I ran into Paul uh, in Kiev. And next thing I know, we are working on the crew and another person who is the narrator and one of the leading mm -hmm. Journalist is John Sweeney, who is also a legend, yes. and you guys gonna like it because he made Trump run away from him twice, and <laughs> run 
away from him one time. So oh. this guy, he can run, make anyone run away from him. <laughs> okay. So tell us where, oh, there they go. Tell us where uh, the film the is in Southern California right now. Can you give us the dates? Right, the of course. I invite everybody to the premieres. Uh, the world premiere was in Kiev, was a big success with a lot of Yay. critics there. And uh, so on the 14th, we have simultaneous premiere in London. It's already sold out uh, on Leicester Square and Prince Charles uh, cinema, so no more tickets. We still have some tickets in Hollywood, and it's East Hollywood, and it's called Skip uh, Town Playhouse on Melrose. Okay. Uh, and yeah. um, you can find it on my Twitter. I will be sharing. Um, you can just Google Eastern Front Los Angeles, and you find it. And then we'll um, probably end up. I don't think I'll have it in me before I go back to Ukraine to do anything. But San Francisco premiere, which is on the 19th of June, uh, and it's a bigger theater, so we still have plenty of tickets left there. Uh, it's in Chinatown, iconic theater, the oldest one in Chinatown. I actually performed there a long time ago, in, which seems to be ages. In 2014, we did the literary theater musical, completely different, saying no politics. It was so beautiful, but it won't be this time. This time it will be premiere. Both times I will be doing Q&A. In a late will be with Heidi Kuda, uh, yeah. who also writes for Byline Time. And in San Francisco, it will be uh, with Alexandra Kostoulos, who is the director and founder of San Francisco uh, Write, Creative Writing Institute. Um, oh, wonderful. So All right, so Ju June 14th in Los Angeles um, and June 20th in San Francisco. June 19th. June 19 in San Francisco, sorry, right. <laughs> in San Fran. Okay, yeah. I love it. All right, and so- I'll, May I just add on a yes. Trump note? Please uh, do. You, yes. know, you know, like we, we touched upon Manafort and Yanukovych and all this, and I'm not gonna like drown people in names, uh, but if anybody wants to see the background, I have like one of the major research works I did way there before the election, yeah. which shows Trump's with evidence, Trump's 30 years of collaboration. So just go on my tweet. It's a pinned tweet that has been there forever. And it's it leads to the to the work um that, that shows how how it happened, how it was happening, the practices. And I think everybody should read something like that, not necessarily mine, but but the work that shows how the Kremlin recruited Trump. And yeah. then then everything else that comes on top, boxes, no boxes, catalogical, you know, uh, references, with no need for that. This is the Kremlin spy. Do we want him in the White House? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we all did it. We all we all did it. Now, Jen, we're gonna get let's that's a great pivot into our, our last topic. Is, does anyone oh, else have gotta, an announcement they want to make? I gotta before? put the banner back up. We, we have the after show. We have the after uh, hours after this. We'll, we'll we'll share the link to that. Yeah. Uh, for anybody anyone that's a member. Welcome to join us there too. We just keep going on, <laughs> but it's for our members only. Um yeah. what else we got, Greg? Uh there's stuff for next week. There's gonna be stuff for next week. Uh, okay. just, I'm just teasing a couple of things that might be ready next week that are oh. not quite ready yet, but might be ready for next week. What's that? that? Are five eight related, possibly related to, oh. um, yeah, something. Okay, there's say. some stuff. We, maybe say. we got things some are stuff in the works. In the works. Things are in the right. works. 
Things Jen Pop, do you have any announcements? Anything going on? This is our announcement section. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, so I started, as you all know, a podcast called Booked Up. Yeah. And it's on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of Ukraine, I had Luke Harding on a oh, few weeks ago. And he was a really fantastic guest. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, it's it's all nonfiction writers. And I really need to have you on LB because I consider you a nonfiction writer. You yeah. are. And it doesn't matter to me that you do your work unbound. I think it's really exciting. And I would love to have you on to talk about the world beneath at some point. But we it. drop an episode every Sunday. Um, and again, it's booked up with Jen Top. Okay, great. Serena also nonfiction and fiction. Serena can do everything. She Serena really does it all. We love it. Yes. All right. So let's, let's pivot into our end segment here. Um, I'm going to put the timer on for us. We can ignore it. Uh, <laughs> it is our prerogative. It's our prerogative. It's our prerogative. Um, but I want to like, let's get into dirty money. Let's get into what it actually is, what they will find when they read. It's yes, Kremlin spot. But let's start with Jen, if we don't mind, we'll start with you. Let's talk about money laundering and uh, what, where then we'll get to where that intersects with Russian organized crime and where Russian organized crime is just an adjunct of the of the security services uh, in uh, the former Soviet Union. So yeah, uh, I mean, I think we can talk about the you know and date back to um, well, we can date we date it back I think to the rise of um, you know of a, a, a computing power, right? I mean, the minute you get into the seventies, when suddenly and, and you're off the gold standard and all kinds of uh, financial assets can be traded with the push of a button that creates the opportunity first for a lot more money laundering um, than there was before. And when we talk about money laundering, I think we're just talking about finding ways to bring the proceeds of illegitimate activity um, into the legitimate um, marketplace in order to disguise its provenance. Is that a way to say it? Disguise yeah, I think that's where right. It came yep. from. Um, yeah. And the way that the link between um, between Russia um, and uh, and money laundering arises from the breakup of the Soviet Union, as you're talking about when there was a need to, you know, you can't, you know, this, you know, Stieglitz talks a lot, a lot about this and, and globalization is discontents, a book, I think from way back in the late nineties, I'm thinking that, you know, if you don't sequence things right, and if you go from a centralized command and control sort of economy, state controlled economy into a market, you're not going to suddenly have everyone setting up lemonade stands, you know, and, in professional offices, you know, immediately the way this was all this kind of, I'm going to make a long story short, I guess, which is eventually these businesses that were state owned ended up the hands of oligarchs and, and, and consolidated. And then of course, when Putin rises to power, he knows that he both needs the rich elites, but he also, they need him. And so, you know, there's some payola. So this happens in, you know, in, in, in any, any, any kind of, kind of, um, corrupt government structure. There are people who have controlled the, the means and the results of production, and now you're going to get them. They're not legitimately supposed to be stealing and, and shaking down money from the oligarchs, um, but they, and the oligarchs aren't supposed to be um, involved in bribery and, and taking too much of the country's wealth. So what do they do? They want to 
they want to get their money out of the country and they want to hide it across the world. And as you know, anyone who who pays attention to what Stephanie does with this, I mean, you know, she dates it back to Al Capone and and so on. But we, you know, it's not just Switzerland anymore. It includes Jersey, which is a crown dependency. Anywhere you can stuff money and hide it. Um, that's where the Russian oligarchs do. And no one pay, really gave a shit about this, excuse my French, until, you know, the most recent, uh, um, you know, the escalation of Russia's war in Ukraine back in 2022. All of a sudden, everyone gets on their high horse, including the U.S., and suddenly starts enforcing sanctions, sort of, right, against these oligarchs. Is it, I don't know if but, I helped. No, this, you did it. I think I but think the Donald thing... Trump piece of it, obviously, yeah. he's he's heavily involved in money laundering, allegedly. But we know that his casino entered into a settlement related to money laundering that that's transpired right. while he was still running the place. So that's right. He couldn't open up casinos in Australia and other places that he was prevented that because of his money laundering track record. So it's not there's not a dispute that he was a money launderer. It's whether that that laundering was illegal. And then th- that's like a trick that people don't, it's like it, your brain starts to snap. They're like, what do you mean it could be legal to do this? And again, it's back to that original theme with this guy, with this indictment. It's it's just, can I get caught? How, it doesn't matter. Is anybody kind of come? Why don't I just do this? And then let's see what happens. And if I get caught, then I'll just throw them whatever name I need to throw them or whatever kind of information I'm dead over so I can get out of being caught. Like it's well, just it's a civil just, settlement. They can't prove I did it intentionally. I'll just pay somebody. all that kind of. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's always been that way. I think the the thing about I just want to hit on Jersey for a second, because we will have we'll ask our friend Stuart Survey to come back on at some point. Yeah. The. Um, the UK was, and again, Jersey's not part of the UK. It's just a crown dependency, meaning it's owned by the monarch um, and kind of controlled by that. It's just this weird kind of territory. But that region, that is where the flight capital went first from Russia, a huge amount of it. It went everywhere. It was so much money they had to get out of there and get into the company. But it was Bob Levinson who warned everybody about what was coming. And he did this in the mid nineties. He was actually, I think that documentary came out in the late nineties that that he did with uh, Pandora, but it was, it's coming, it's coming. And the money that's coming is attached to organized crime to the worst mafiosos on the planet. It's not like American mafiosos. Yes, I can track money laundering back to its origins that has, and it is an organized crime, but you can't compete as brutal as Al Capone was and as brutal as Meyer was. You, that doesn't even co- come close to comparing to a, a character like Mogilevich, um, who comes from Ukraine, when it was all part of the Soviet Union, and, and, the, and the crime lords around him and around Putin, who they installed him, right? what they're willing to do and go to and the kinds of things that they're involved in, in terms of mass misery um, and real depravity for profit. They have the power of an intelligence service behind them. So everyone can imagine if Donald were to get back in, this gets fully corrupted and he was able to get those, it's my stuff, right? Those are my boxes, it's my papers. Those are our secrets. 
Those, that's the power of those intelligence agencies, which is why in the indictment it lists the capabilities of each one of those yeah. intelligence agencies. This yeah. is what the Department of Defense is capable of. This is what signal intelligence, the NSA is capable of, the CIA is capable of. He made sure in every paragraph, everybody read that indictment and go yes. and read the paragraphs. They're noting specifically in there the powers of and the, and the precariousness of those particular agencies when it comes to that product being in the hands of someone, anyone in an unsecure facility and what they might do with that. So that if he had that, that's how powerful each one of those agencies are. Now imagine a crime lord having that kind of power behind them. That's the thing to get is you don't want a mobster having the power of the most powerful intelligence agencies on the planet to wield at his will. Yep. That's what Russia is. They yep. use the KGB, the Kremlin, the they had incredible, better at human intelligence than anybody ever, right? They were better at that shit, right? But they also were incredible with signal intelligence in ways that we didn't even understand. And certainly as we've gotten into the era of computing, as you brought up, Jen, as we've gotten into the signals, right? The, the kinds of fuckery these people and the kinds of misery. Then they had the military, you know, this falling apart military, but my God, the power of that, those resources behind them to go into Syria and do things like have wars where journalists are dying in the rubble, trying to stay and protect civilians that are hiding out in that building, like what happened to Marie. So this is this is the real world that Zarina is trying to talk about. This is the threat and the danger. Mm -hmm. Zarina, I want to pass it to you then. Anything you want to say about Russian security services being being a it, it's the other way around it's not like the mafia is an arm of the russian security services it's what happened was russian security services became the tools and the arm of the mafia no not exactly I disagree it, yes please. it's actually the same thing they fused in the they beginning of the latest, and i was right there i mean i i come from st petersburg russia i come from putin's town i actually worked for his predecessor in the mayor's office it, can come much closer than that. It's disgusting, it's terrible, yeah. but it's an advantage to me as a journalist. I know a lot of things that other people don't know and I uh, have experienced things that other people haven't, even people from Russia with a Russian background uh, who are not from that time. It was a very particular time in the 90s, this transition. And I was very young, but I worked at the time as a, it was a glorified secretary. I was director of some international relationship or other. Um, but um, I've seen how it was done. I've seen how um, the uh, KGB officers at the time, they were still not FSB, I believe, would arrive to the foreign businessmen to extort what was called Krisha, which is uh, has double meaning. It's a protection that the uh, say the Kremlin now provides to Trump or the Kremlin provided to Yanukovych. That's protection that's called Krisha or that uh, any uh, any bandit provides to a smaller bandit, right? But it's also the the word Krisha stands for the money that this smaller bandit is paying to the bigger one. And that's the core to understanding how this whole system works. And it's called a tribute in American mafia. A yeah, it's, it's yeah. Called, 
it's not exactly the same because there there's this thing called Abshak, which is a communal fund. So the money that oligarchs have do not belong to oligarchs. That's where the difference is with the Italian mafia, American mafia, because there's a sense of propriety here in the former capitalist world, right? Imperialistic world. That's a former communist world. It's such a mess, you know, because they come from this thief mentality. There's a Mark uh, Galiotti book, which is good on that, um, called The Thieves, and Luke Carden's book, Collusion. So I recommend these books. Uh, and, and they it both describe, and I have multiple articles on the byline time and on my medium, which explain how it works with translation from the leading bloggers, their investigative uh, journalists. How it fused together the military, the KGB, the church, and bandits. Oh, yeah, the church. Don't forget police. the church. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the power apparatus which kind of became this one terrible monster that we see now as the Kremlin. And you can't take one away from the other. And it's all the foundation is the money, this abshak, this communal money. And then it all built up vertically with this protection money of the Krisha. So everybody reports to them. And that's why oligarchs, even if they launder the money, it's not their money. And they could be killed at any time. And we yeah. all heard about oligarchs falling out of the windows and, you know, and bananas sleeping in the saunas and so forth. And that's because they're basically like medieval vassals. And so they, their property is not their property. And it's a very basic, uh, you know, like concept, but it's important to understand it. It's not here. It would be different. Say if Trump comes to power, there still would be some separation, you know, like a, a church and the state. There would be separation of, say, uh, FBI and CIA or Pentagon and the White House because it's intrinsic to the system. But yeah. over there, it's mixed up. You can't take one and not take the other. And that, that's the difference. So it's not exactly the same. It's a, it's a worse mess. And when you go to, um, what's his name, Bob Levinson, it's very interesting connection right there and everybody always talks about Magilevich and I feel he be that he became some sort of a fall character you know yeah like a like a boogeyman yeah yeah boogeyman you tell you know your child yeah, yeah. I agree I agree I think he was also yeah. an asset for I think he was like Ugh. because there's yeah. there are myths that we as journalists have created you know we simplified it and boiled it down to some you know Manafort say more, but there are other figures and they are much more dangerous or were much more dangerous. And there's some that we've never heard about. And these are the guys to be afraid of. Like going back in the 90s, there was a figure called Boris. Oh, Serena, you're breaking up a little bit. You went out right when you were saying some very interesting names. That's that's what happens. It's that's always what happens. With our graphics. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're just sort of frozen. We you're can try to hear you. I don't know what to do. Wait, log, log off quick and log back in again. I think we'll be yeah. okay. Because I'm going to make, I'm going to comment on something that you said, which is, it's interesting 
this idea of the fusion of all of these things together that, that she brought up, um, you know, and how there's the blur in Russia. But as Zarina said, we don't have that here because there is separation. It's interesting to me that what the Republicans are trying to do now, what the Leonard Leo fascists are trying to do now, what the Supreme Court is trying to do now is blur all these distinctions. That's they funny. want to eradicate the difference between church and state. They want to fuse all of this stuff together and because they want us to be like fucking Russia. They, that's what they want. You know, they, they want to be oligarchs. You know, they, do. they um, want their own yachts. I'm sorry. We, they do. we were Paul talking Biden about this before yacht. LB, um, before we came on the show about the, the, you know, Paul Ryan and these guys in 2015 talking about Ukraine. And, you know, what do they want? Paul Ryan wants to take away um, Social Security. You know, he used to just have fun, get drunk and fantasize about it in college, which is a weird fetish, but whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, he as soon as he left office, as you said uh, to me, LB, he just chased the money and went right to right to um, to Rupert, Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch at Fox. Our, he's like Tom. He's Tom Wamsgans. What, yeah. what do we say about Tom Wamsgan? What does Shiv say about him? What does oh, he do? Don't to say the it. Biggest... I'm not going to say it. You're so servile. Yeah. No, that's yeah. not the line I had in mind. But, uh, oh, yeah. she's back. Okay. Back. I, I forgot. I have to put her on again. Okay, Zarina, right. you were saying, you were naming names. Yeah. And that, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not the Kremlin interference, but let's try once again. Okay, let's try. So um, there was this character named Boris Bernstein. Uh, and so much goes back to 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 him uh, to the nineties, and his career started like. Are you talking about Boris Bernstein? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, I tried to get an interview with him. Yeah, you, I, you, I was on the hunt for Boris for a while. Yeah, I don't think you're alive, would... Serena. Uh, so, uh, I think he's still alive. I, I, I have not. Too heard that he's dead i i, I think he, he was alive a few years ago unless you know but he's keeping a very low profile he, he was sure is <laughs> he was a father-in-law of um alex alex trump's partner and she we're losing you again so he was he's the father-in-law boris bursting is a father-in-law of trump's partner in uh, Trump Toronto, in, in but also other developments. And Cibeco, yes. they were part of Cibeco, yes. um, which is an anagram. Yes. For, yes. You know, they're all yes. anagrams. Yeah. Yes, and he was very involved in Ukraine. He has yes. some previous presidents there. And I just give him as an example of somebody who you recognize, and you guys are like, oh yeah, but still heard about them. But most people don't. But there are many, many people like that and we know anything about, they use people like Prigozhin for this free circus, like freak show, uh, to entertain and to run this political theater. But yeah. the, the people who really run the show are behind. We don't see them. Yeah. It's like that with the with with the right-wing groups here, too. I think, I think like, you know, we say Mogilevich as sort of a metonym for all of these organized crime figures and the way people are like, oh, it's just the Koch brothers. Yeah, even though there's only one Koch brother left alive, but it, that's sort of an umbrella term for all of it. But yeah, but they're not as powerful as probably other people we don't know about and have voluntarily, uh, according to, to the Evil Geniuses book by Kurt Anderson, sort of stepped into the fore uh, and taken the heat, 
you know, off other people in a yeah, way that, well, let me, that I want to give a little bit on Boris because uh, Zarina's popping it out. But just so the audience gets it, if you guys didn't read uh, what we did for Sojourno or listen to stuff, there's or read the look at uh, Bob Levinson's work, read Missing Man, um, which was a pretty good book by Barry Meyer on him. It's like strange, but I, I think what he was able to get into that book is, is very interesting. Um, so Burstein was... Uh, the person who arranged a meeting of all heads of the crimes families with Mogilevich in Israel in 1995. And there were five different intelligence agencies that were spying on that and wrote a big report of it. And Russia was one of them at the time, actually. Um, we cooperated with them. Uh, the, the relations were much better. It was pre-Putin and um, it was our FBI that was that was working with them. So, and Bob, I think was part of all that then and tracking Burstein and then Burstein was also Bob's source on, as he was trying to hunt down what looked like he was hunting down Mogilevich because he was running after uh, uh, counterfeit cigarettes for the CIA FinCEN group when it came to terror networks as they're trying to hunt down Osama bin Laden and all the terror networks after 9-11. Bob was on track in the early 2000s, mid 2000s of, uh, of his leads. He got into corporate intelligence working for Philip Morris because you know, cigarette counterfeit cigarettes is actually quite a big business and quite a big thing. And um, so he's able to get contracts from there. And also interesting enough for everybody, George Soros also employed him in tracking down these sort of corrupt, these corrupt mobsters out of the former Soviet Union with Mogilevich being this, the one that Bob Levinson had a specialty in and everybody knew he was a Mogilevich hunter. So Burstein is who led Bob on that goose hunt to and through his contacts and his sources because uh, Bob was talking to him and Bob was following up. I did get this from a source. Bob was following up on uh, people connected to Donald Trump, which was very interesting. And this is, again, way before Trump presidency or anything. He just knew that Trump was laundering for these very shady uh, Russian figures. And and so um, Burstein led him. He's the one that led him and his source to Kish, Iran, where Bob was taken and then became the longest held U.S captive in history. And he's now, he was during Donald Trump's presidency, he was, um, uh, Trump declared him deceased. Um, we, we never found him or recovered him. His family still, you know, I don't I think they accept that, but it's, it's a horrific tale of a really brilliant patriotic guy who was helping at that time, um, our nation state intelligence agencies and tracking down the money, the dirty money, um, that was behind the terror networks, which happened to be Semyon's money. And uh, Boris Burstein led him right into that trap and then denied and then was like concerned and wanted to try to find him and freaked out a little bit. Um, and then we didn't hear from him again. He can't get a visa to the United States. He wanted one for years. And I still, I think we're still denying him. As far as I know, he's in Canada. He's still in, he's Canada. in Canada. Yeah. Canada. Alex Nader, yeah. Yeah. His daughter married, Alex married his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting story, and he also Birstein uh, was arranging for an American visa for Jerry Pasca. Yes, uh, yes, and uh, like how, and he managed for that. Actually, the Americans flew him to Washington. He was having yeah. negotiations in Pentagon, I believe, or somewhere, something surreal. So all of this is like very good nonfiction book, you know. By pretty, I think wasn't this the same in, um, characters? Kleptop hmm? Didn't the author who wrote the book Kleptopia write about him? Um, Probably. I didn't read that book. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm remembering it. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke wrote about him. Um, 
a little bit. I don't know if he wrote about Levinson, but he wrote about the folks kind of hunting around that in a very expensive poison because Litvinenko and Litvin, the guy, the man who you've had on your, uh, when you were doing podcast, Zarina, I can't, is Felsch. Yeah. Yuri Felschstein, right? Is that yes, his name? Yes. Yeah, Thank that. you. Was, Thank who, you. I'm trying to remember the name. I would just like remember five it, days uh, now. Okay. Who was, um, <laughs> who wrote books with Litvinenko, but Litvinenko was part of that, uh, the team that looking into all of this, um, yeah. And then he had to leave, you know, then he called out the organized crime in Russia and he had to fl flee. So, and of course, Litvinenko was the one who was poisoned by polonium. And That's then right. Luke Hardin wrote about him. Luke Hardin wrote pre pretty much about everything and he's worth uh, a read for everything that he wrote about. And last yeah. time, post pass, I know him for, for a number of years and we did some festivals and stuff together and panels and I interviewed him. And then we did a couple of trips in Ukraine. We went to Achakov, which is a prohibited area, but we managed to get in and we did the report from there. And uh, I recommend his every single book. And the last mm -hmm. one, Invasion, uh, which is now nominated for Orwell Prize. Yes. If you want to read one book about this war, read Luke's Hardin's, um, Luke's uh, book, Invasion. Yeah, my, I did, okay. you have to, what I, I'll, I'll connect with you after, but I'll give you a link to the interview with him. But yes, I, now I need to, re, I need to uh, watch your documentary, but how can we watch it if we don't live in Los Angeles or Northern California? Good question. Thank you. Great question. It's available online from Byline TV, uh, uh, dot com, I believe, uh, and there is a link, and it's there for purchasing. Uh, and of course, we recommend to come into the premiere because that's how premieres work. But if you can't, you can purchase it there. And um, if you want to write a review, I'll send you a screener. Or if anybody, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We can do that. And uh, also, there are distributing rights uh, that are now being uh, arranged for it. With a, And I, I don't deal with it. I just made the movie. So sure. our byline TV. We're both doing it at the Greg, same time. We're trying to put up the same thing at the same time. We're canceling each other out. So here's here it is, Easter Front movie. Sorry, Greg. Thank um, you. Um, yeah. Yep. Right, right. Um, Thank you, True Player. All right. So, guys, we got to wrap this up. We're, we, I mean, I feel like this show flew by. Um, what a great, this is a great combination. I think we have to have you guys together. Yeah, uh, this is good. Yeah, I, I like to bask in y'all's brilliance. This is this is good for me. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, the, the, it, it is. I think it's a nice intersection of knowledge that that makes everyone uh, listening to it, including myself. Uh, learned quite a bit so i want to thank i want to thank jen tob i want to thank zarina zabriskie um everybody stick around we're gonna it's now 9 37 let's do uh 9 50 okay nine okay. is that okay lb you, that you, sounds great like log okay. on to the after hours list. 9 50 new york time uh we're gonna do the after hours um Zarina, Jen, if you want to come, we'll send you the link. You don't feel obligated to do so. We won't. We won't. Uh, you know, ho hold it against you. It's totally fine. Uh, but if you want to, we'll we'll be there. Um, and that's it. Are, are we supposed to end with a quote? Is that? Can I go that... out on the who who the bell tolls quote? Yeah, go out on. Yeah, unless bell. you have one, Greg. I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind, and therefore. 
never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for me. Mm. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. The 5-8 is hosted by me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff. Animation is by Chunk, at Chunkled. The music is My Spy by Howie King, the sum of all music. Please like, share, and subscribe here and on YouTube. To become a 5-8 member and support our show, go to the5-8.com. That's the F-I-V-E number 8.com. Join the party this weekend. We're your Friday night hang.